Welcome. This is Dr. Owen Anderson for our weekly devotional. And this week I'm looking at Joshua chapter seven, which is titled Achan's Sin. And in this chapter, they've the Israelites have just defeated Jericho, or we should say God has defeated Jericho while the Israelites were there. And they were commanded to not take any of the consecrated things. This was especially things like gold and silver, which would be given over to the Lord. And from there, they want to go up to defeat a city, Ai. And this is a, another powerful city, and they have a plan of what to do. So they, they sent up spies in verse 2 to look at, look at it, and they come back to Joshua. And they say, look, we don't even have to send up our whole army. Send two or 3,000 men to take it and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So they send them up, and the men of A killed 36 of them and chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. And so at this, the people's heart melted in fear, became like water. And Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. And the Israelite, the elders of Israel did the same, sprinkling dust on their heads. And Joshua said, alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us in the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by his enemies? And here's the key, right? Because you might say, look, they only lost 36 men. What, what's going on? Well, here's the key in verse 9. The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? So interestingly, Joshua's concern in the prayer here is not simply their defeat, but what will you do, God? How will your name be glorified? This is the people of God. He realizes that no other people on earth is the people of God. And they've been brought here to take the promised land. But based on this route, the other canines will hear it and takes away all of what it might be kind of the, the, uh, fear of Israel after Jericho, a great city Jericho is defeated, completely smashed, the walls fall down, and the Canaanites would realize who God is. But now a relatively small, insignificant city, they didn't even send their whole army, stops Israel, and the Canaanites will say, well, we can, we can just surround them and defeat them. And the concern is not Israel for Joshua. He doesn't say, well, then we'll be destroyed, and that'll be terrible. He says, well, how will your name be hallowed? He brings it back to the purpose of the Lord in this. And this is really, this next part is what I really wanted to go over with you in our weekly devotional, starting in verse 10, how God deals with his people. This is a case of fatherly discipline, chastisement. God is disciplining Israel. So he says to, to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things they have stolen. They have lied, and they have put them in their own possessions. This is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turned their backs and run because they have made, been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. So this is a case of God disciplining Israel. And we'll see this theme come up numerous times in the Old Testament, but it, we would also expect this to be true of the church. God wants a holy people. And so when we think about world events, we think about uh, nations in the world in, in war and conflict, and the church is hardly even involved. 
hardly even there witnessing and, and discipling the nations. And we'll see, well, that's part of the church being humbled for sin. And the church needs to repent and confess its own sin of not seeking God. And that's really what happens here. So the, so uh, in 14, God gives them a method by which to determine who did this. And that leads to this person, Achan. And Joshua confronts him in verse 19. My son, give glory to the Lord. So again, Joshua's focus, the glory of the Lord, the God of Israel, honoring him. Tell me what you've done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan says, it's true. I've sinned against the Lord. So he confesses the sin is against the Lord. And this is what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sends messengers and they find them and bring them back. And, and Joshua, uh, together all Israel, takes Achan, the silver robe, or the silver, the robe, the gold, bar his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. So it's interesting here because Achan does confess it when directly confronted. He didn't confess it until that point, though, right? He could have confessed right after the, the loss in the battle, and he didn't. But he does confess here. He doesn't try to hide anymore. But there's still consequences for what he did. And he had caused other people to be killed, in case you think, well, this is, well, why does he get the death penalty for stealing some gold? Well, it's not just that. It's directly uh, violating a, a command of God after a great event like Jericho. And then his action caused 36 others to be killed. Those were, those were husbands or, or fathers or brothers, and they were killed because of his action. So all Israel stoned him, and they stoned the rest and then burned their bodies. And over Achan, they heaped a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. And the Lord turned from his fierce anger. And therefore, the place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since, which means trouble. So here's one instance of a pattern of how God disciplines. And the point of the discipline is the, the holiness of God. And we lose sight of that often when we think about discipline. We only think of it in terms of how you might, it might make me feel, or it seems unfair, a little bit too harsh. When it isn't, it's perfectly exactly what justice requires. But we're also taking out that equation, the holiness of God. And, and what had happened here, Achan confesses to coveting. But right up here, uh, I covet to them in verse 21. But that's not getting that to covet, you have to first not be seeking God. The 10th commandment is due to violating the first commandment. If you're seeking God, you wouldn't have coveted these things. So he's already gone astray. We see David be more clear in his repentance in Psalm 51 about that point. We want to be restored to seeking God. And so this should put the fear of God into all of us to say, well, any one of us could stop seeking God and become discontent in life and seek something else instead. And that's what happened here. So there's the individual disciplining hand of God and then the corporate disciplining hand of God. And you look for that today in the church. You look to see, will the church humble itself and confess we haven't been seeking God We've either gone after otherworldliness or a pleasant life, but we haven't seen what's clear about God, how God revealed his glory in all of his works. We have to confess that, and that's part of humbling ourselves before God.